Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. We have arrived at the semifinals of the BTL Championship Tournament, the final four, if you will, and yes, we had to switch some things around in terms of the matchup, shuffle the deck a bit this week due to some scheduling things. But we got our first semifinal matchup going down in a matter of seconds. Anyways, first off, I am Mike Heck, and I am pretty damn sick. It has been a rough week for your pal, Mike. Yesterday was really awful. Today is a tinge better, but still pretty awful. But I'll give you what I can. I'll try not to hack all over the microphone, and I'll try uh, to keep some semblance of a voice the rest of the way. But... Much like these two fine competitors, they're going to look to punch their ticket to the finals. Let us introduce them first. They say momentum is the key in the postseason. She's coming off a win nine days ago over James Lynch. She feels her opponent is perhaps looking past her. Plans to make him pay for that as well. From Bloody Elbow, one half of the BTL Tag Team Champions of the World, Kristen King. How are you? I am doing great. I feel confident because I have a win over Jed. It came in a tag team setting, but a win is a win. And I'm here to capitalize on that momentum. And I'm glad that my opponent has dressed for the occasion because it's about to be his funeral. And I can't wait to deliver the eulogy. So let's go. Damn, that's what we love to see. And let us introduce you to that man who has the most wins in the history of this show, Mr. No Gray Area. And he opened up a lot of eyes all around the MMA space with his wardrobe in his first round appearance. But I got to say, it's even better this time around. Mr. Jed Mishu, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm confused. What are we, t- funeral? Who, dry, who goes to a funeral looking like this? These are happy colors. Bright blue, vibrant. This is spring attire. I'm sorry you don't know that, but don't worry. You'll have plenty of time to do the research when you're on the bench because we're not talking about previous victories because the past is for cowards. I am looking ahead. I'm looking ahead to the finals. I'm looking ahead to Phoenix Carnivale and the can of whoop ass I will be opening up upon her to prove that I am the only greatest competitor in the history of this competition. Well, that's why we're doing this tournament to begin with. Two incredible promos to begin things. So let's talk some MMA. Let's debate. Let's talk about the comings and goings, the hot topics, if you will. Let's start with Triller's latest combat sports venture this past weekend. Triller Triad Combat. Despite the Thanksgiving holiday, their younger audience out doing other things like seeing their old friends, a lawsuit from BYB, on top of them for the use of a triangular ring, which is so incredibly blatant, it's not even funny. But the show goes on. We saw MMA fighters take on boxers. We saw Metallica. We saw MMA actually win the night in terms of points. We saw Frank Mir get in there, Matt Mitrione, Mike Perry, Albert Tumanoff, to name a few. Personally, I enjoyed it. There there could have been a, a little bit less gaga between the actual fights, but the action itself pretty good not sure if you watched or not jed but uh did the concept at least give you something to think about so i i did not watch uh i i was also dressed up on saturday i had a baptism to attend you know you know i'm out here shepherding the youth as the godfather (laughs) to uh a dear friend of mine's bouncing baby boy uh but i was i was intrigued i of course i mean obviously when you can't watch a fight live what do you do 
you tune in to MMAfighting.com, the best website in the world to get all of your updates. And so I know intimately what happened. I, I saw the video of Frank Muir getting um, seriously like that. That was actually an awful, awful uh, finish to that. And Dan Mergliata, I know he came out and spoke about it, but that was still terrible. Uh, the rest of the card, not a lot of things that I, I held my hat on that looked or even seemed that interesting. But the overall concept, you know me, Mike. I'm a big thriller guy. I'm a convert after having gone to the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight in person. Triller's got me on board. The triangular ring, which still feels weird to call it a ring. That doesn't seem like we should be able to do that because it has three sides. Nonetheless, I'm in on the overall concept. I have no idea what the legs that this has, though, because – I don't know what they paid the fighters. It probably wasn't a small amount. I can't imagine they covered their returns on it. And Michael Buffer has got to cost more than everybody else combined for those shows. You can't be running Michael Buffer out there. You got to get some other dude. Let me do it, Triller. This is my official uh, envoy to you. I can be the voice of Triller Combat. I'm, I'm built for it. I'm dressed for it. Let your boy have a shot. Kristen, what say you to this? <laughs> Did this concept give you something to to get excited about? I mean, twenty bucks not a not a terrible price tag for for an event like this. Not at all. I honestly, I went into it not really expecting much, and I left it. I felt like it was a, it was a good event for what it was supposed to be. Um, I think there could potentially be a future with this whole triangular ring thing, but I. I have questions, I guess, on both the product and the production. As Jed mentioned, you have Michael Buffer. Then we had a Metallica concert also, and I'm pretty sure those guys ain't cheap. And then we had Frank Muir saying that he was poised to make the most money of his career had he won the fight. Obviously, he did not win, but I'm thinking this whole production and this whole setup is going to cost a lot of money. I don't necessarily know if that's something that they can continue to do in the future, but it was a very nice first showing. And then product-wise, as interested as I was in the first event, what comes after? What other intriguing fights are you guys going to put on that is going to make me shell up another $20 or however much you want to charge for the next pay-per-view. Because I think we did get some really nice surprises um, with someone like Alexa Culp, who got the fastest knockout in the only women's fight on that card. I was very impressed by her. And then we also turned in for some of peop some people that we already knew, like the Frank Mears, like uh, Albert Tumanovs, like the Mike Perrys in his first post-UFC uh, fight. So... I'm wondering, where do we go from here? The bar is set, I guess, in their standards fairly high. So I'm wondering, well, what comes next? What are you going to put on? Because they don't necessarily have an established roster to get a lot of people interested. So I just want to see what they're going to do, what new, fresh fights they can bring to the table and whether or not that's going to be a really long-lasting type of product. It appears they want to come back maybe February or March, Kristen. Maybe we'll see Rampage Jackson versus Shannon Briggs. Maybe the coaches will collide. Maybe they'll do a reality show with the two guys because I'd watch the hell out of that thing. Maybe some other big-name fighters. Maybe we'll talk about one of those fighters in round two. But do you think, Kristen, in 2023 that we're going to be sitting around doing live companions for triad combat events? Do you think this will be something that they can sustain three, four events – a year for years to come with something like this because this is not something you could do every month because it'll right. get people get tired of it super fast but if you do like a quarterly event three four times is there something there yeah i think so as long as there's not an oversaturation of the product because this is honestly like a novelty type of thing you're not expecting to sit down and say every saturday night okay we're gonna watch chiller triad combat that's not gonna happen and i don't think it should happen if they do want their product to last well beyond this year and as you said potentially into 2023 24 etc cetera, etc cetera, whatever so as long as they don't overstay their welcome as, as in like a combat sports type of schedule i think they're fine three to four events each year that sounds great i think you could capitalize off of that because there are going to be times where maybe there aren't any fights on that specific weekend and all the attention is going to be guided towards you 
you benefit off of that. That's the payoff. So don't oversaturate the product, fix a few things with production. And I think you have a sustainable going in the next few years. I think, I just think you have to play your cards right if you're Triller. And I feel like they'll do good. It just depends on what they bring to us next. What do you think, Jed? How do, how do we sustain this? Cause you got that look in your eye, like maybe, maybe they can't do it. I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in them. Um, mainly because I've been following the sport a long time. And I know that technically this is a whole new sport, I guess, cause it's mixed weird rules or whatever, but we're talking about, you know, mid-level MMA. Really that's what it is. Even if it's in boxing gloves, you know, this is, this is that kind of trying to find its footing. We've just seen so many promoters, crop up and die because they they do this thing where they go very heavy with with monetary requirements you know like they get michael buffer they get metallica as an investor and snoop dogg and all this stuff and eventually that that money runs out and they're not turning enough of a profit and i have a a real hard time seeing how triller can keep this up because to me they had the golden goose man like say what you want about jake paul People are invested in Jake Paul, the sportsman, the combat sports athlete, and Triller had him first. Triller was there first, and then they couldn't come to terms again. Maybe they never could have. Maybe Jake just knew his own value too much and that he can kind of run the, run his, the show on his own. But I think if they still had the Jake Paul centerpiece to their promotion, that is a tentpole that can prop you up, that you can build around, that you can continue to develop and grow and, and build a name brand. But for now – it feels like they're going to be chasing chasing the dragon every time out. They're going to have to go wilder, more ridiculous. They're going to have to do a, a straight line as a as a fighting ring instead of a triangle. Like just cut sides out of it. I don't I don't know where else they can go, but they're going to have to keep iterating and making different things happen. And the only way you can be successful like that is if you if your overhead doesn't exist because you're an organization like Fight Circus, which is really just run out of somebody's backyard. And that is not what Triller's trying to do. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to be able to cover their costs. And for a short time, you can get investment money. You can keep pushing through. But eventually, you're going to have to show uh, a sustainable business model to keep generating interest in, in investors. And I am very much not sure that they can do that. I hope I'm wrong because the more the merrier. Any kind of weird insanity, I'm all for. I'm not a super big fan of Frank Mir, old and washed up MMA fighter taking on one of the 10 best heavyweight boxers in the world. That's a bridge too far for me personally, but the rest of it I'm kind of in for. Mike Perry is a guy who needs a place to fight in sort of a sideshow act, and Triller feels great for stuff like that. So <laughs> I hope they get it together. I'm just not confident in them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have this conversation after every Triller event. Like, how can they keep doing this? But I, I will give them credit. One, moving an entire event from one coast to the other in less than a week's time was pretty impressive. And then to come back and host an event in a baseball stadium with, like, less than a month's notice. I remember that press release coming out. I was like, what? You're going to do this three weeks from now? And they did it, and they reported 20,000-plus people. I don't buy that for a second. See, but but. but that's, like, that's, like, one of my big concerns because – Normally, when you're talking about a promotion trying to find its footing, those are the types of things that end up being the the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like they're just cutting even or just managing expenses enough, and then calamity strikes and suddenly they can't deal with it at all. Triller is at the beginning where they have all this interest and money backing them, and they still are are having like fundamental problems that they're having to work around. Like that's not going to work in year two when your investment capital is dried up and then you have to change venue on like a day's notice. Like that's where things go bad real fast. Well, I mean that was mostly because they needed Holyfield to fight. And then where else can we make that happen besides Florida? Yeah. Florida will let anything happen. We'll let anybody fight in Florida. Of course we will. Absolutely. Of course we will. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Metallica was cool. A little too much Nick Cannon and Fat Joe in my eyes, if we're being honest. No, that's Far too, too much, much Ryan Kavanaugh. Joe, yeah, I mean, there was too much Fat Joe. There was no such too thing with too much Fat Joe. Yeah, there there was. Saturday was too much. Too much. Like, go to him a couple times after every fight. No, no. This is the Bellator. This is the problem Bellator has uh, between uh, between their fights. But all in all, it's pretty fun card on a rare weekend without the UFC but maybe they'll add some more big names maybe one in particular to their next event that we're going to talk about next but the point 
But round one goes to... Kristen King on the board, one to nothing. You know, Jed, I'll put in a good word for you if they want to cut costs and just not bring back Buffer and bring you in. I, I will definitely put in a good word. How much I, is your rate? You know, we could talk off air about that. I don't want other people lowballing me if they hear my prices out loud, you know? Of course, of course. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, all about it's all about the business, baby. Come on. Kevin Lee go. knows that. Let's talk about him. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That's right. That's right. Kevin Lee knows all about big business, and we found it on Tuesday. Perfect segue. That's why you're uh, the face of this program. MMA Fighting reports on Tuesday that the UFC and Kevin Lee are done. They've released Kevin Lee from his contract, former interim title challenger. So much potential, a lot of talent, great on the microphone, definitely the gift of gab, just hitting his athletic prime at 29 years of age. Yes, he's lost two straight. Yes, he's lost four to five. But many feel like he still has a very high ceiling in the world of mixed martial arts. But not just in the UFC, it appears, Kristen King, because he's not fighting for the UFC anymore. So what was your reaction to this news? Were you surprised that the UFC just cut Kevin Lee just like that? I I was bummed. I saw that news and I was like, I, I thought Kevin Lee still had a little bit left in him in the UFC and then for him to be unceremoniously cut like that, especially how he described the situation on the MMA hour yesterday, where he said he essentially just got an email, no phone call, no nothing, until he had to contact the UFC brass himself and, and be like, what's going on? And it was just not a good day. I was very bummed. I, I understand people looking at it from the perspective of, well, he hasn't been winning, and I get that, but the guys that he's met in the Octagon recently, those are like some top caliber guys. I thought that he still had a little bit in him. The last fight was against Daniel Rodriguez, who honestly, he could be the next big thing at Walter Wade. So I was a little bit saddened for Kevin Lee. And also add on to that, he's currently on suspension for ADHD medication. And I was just like, well, that's just like another bad layer on a really crappy Sunday. And it just, it sucked. It really did suck, but I was very happy to hear that he's already fielding offers. And that, I think to me, that's a testament of who Kevin Lee is and where he's going to go, because by no means is he a washed fighter. I'm not looking at Kevin Lee like, oh man, he's really, he's really out of here now. I'm not looking at that. I think that, as you said, he's still in there. He can still have some juice and Depending on where he goes, I'm sure he wants to be paid what he believes he is worth. I hope that that is a possibility. 
And for him to already have offers on the table is great. And I think that he would make an incredible addition to a Bellator, to a PFL. If you really want to go for a million dollars, great. And he already has the weight class figured out. He said he's told Helwani he's going to be fighting at 170 from this point on. Fantastic. I'm very happy for you. So did it suck to see him get cut? Yes, it did. But I also think that he still has a very, very bright future depending on where he ends up. Jed, were you surprised by this move? Both of you are dapper dressers, as, as everybody can see right now in your case. Were you surprised by this move that the UFC just willy-nilly cuts Kevin Lee? Let's be clear. I don't have an ounce of the style that Kevin Lee has, and I think a lot of myself, but that man, that man has fits, like for real. Uh, I was a little surprised, but it totally makes sense upon reflection. Uh, I'm going to disagree with um, – I don't know what the right word. I guess opponent, though it doesn't feel like that. Um, you know, this other person on the show with me, I'm going to disagree with her because I think Kevin Lee probably is washed. Um, I know that that is a hot take, but I do not have gray areas in me. And I think Kevin Lee has not looked – yes, Kevin Lee knocked out Gregor Gillespie. That was awesome. Other than that one very, very great blip – he has looked horrendous for like most of the last, I don't know, four years or whatever that period of time is since since the Tony Ferguson loss. He just hasn't looked very good. He has been fluctuating with his weight. He's been trying to figure out lightweight welterweight. Um, the this Adderall positive test, I don't I don't take anything away from that kind of personally. Like he he has he has ADHD, he needs this medication. But to not have applied for the exemption, there's just that's just that's just a, a mental lapse that like if you're you're really dialed in, you're on point, you are a professional fighter and you're focused entirely, like you're you're not gonna make kind of those basic errors. And the issue with Kevin Lee has never been talent, it's never been ability, it's never been work ethic. It has always been between the years. Like that has been, I mean, that's we've seen that time and again going out there. He is he got outfought by Ally Quinta, who he should never lose to Ally Quinta ever. Like and I don't know. I wrote this the last time uh, he fought when he. I, I thought he was going to lose to Danny Rodriguez. That was a, a listless sort of not great performance from him. Uh, D Rod's a great fighter, but I wrote this after that. You know, I I don't know how you fix him because he's been trying and saying all the things about being fixed forever. The same way Tyron Woodley has said, I'm, I'm going to have the fire this time and go out there. And it's just not there. It's not manifesting itself. He is only 29. Maybe he can turn it around, but it is so rare to see somebody in, in any athletic discipline who kind of has the yips or however you want to call it, whatever, whatever is affecting Kevin Lee mentally. It's so rare to see them turn it around. And especially in fight sport, like I, I think it was a little early. The UFC probably could have given him another fight. And there's a lot to say about the way in which they cut him, which I fully agree with Kevin Lee. I think they did they did him dirty in a lot of respects about that. But if you're just looking at fighters as investments, other people are going to be able to generate more, make more off of and with Kevin Lee as a fighter than the UFC is. And it, it kind of makes sense. I view this a lot like the, when they cut Jake Shields. Uh, when Jake Shields left the UFC, he was – I don't remember if he was cut or if he just didn't renegotiate. Honestly, it's been a while back. He was coming off a loss to Hector Lombard maybe. Um, but like he was still one of the top welterweights in the world, but they just let him go because there was no need to have him there. He wasn't bringing as many eyeballs as, as he would cost them. And ultimately, Jake Shields went on to lose a bunch of his next you know several fights and just kind of being a little listless for the remainder of his career. I think that's – very likely what's up next for Kevin Lee, which is unfortunate because, again, one of the most talented fighters in the sport, all the promise in the world, it's just a matter of him fulfilling it. And at this point, I don't think he's going to. Yeah, I feel like Kevin is a guy that, like you said, the tools are all there. It's between the ears, but it's also he's a guy that needs to be sort of guided by the right person. Like Robert Fallis was so – was that guy for him. And then he passed and it just seemed like everything sort of withered away from that point. And he's tried to go to TriStar with Farah Hobby and go to different gyms with different coaches and with different people, wizards of the sport, if you will, and just hasn't seemed to click. And sometimes fighters just, just need that relationship and Kevin hasn't really seemed to find it. But man, the way that this all went down, the email, 
not even hearing from Shelby or Dana. He like got a text message from Hunter Campbell after he reached out first. It's just crazy. So with That's all of this the, now, yeah, go ahead. All of that sucks and is lame, but like is not – none of that is the thing that is like the most uh, unprofessional and, and frankly garbage to me. Like I get it. It would be classier and a better move for the UFC to make a phone call to him or sit him down and have it than sending him an email, but like whatever. But the fact that like they either knew that they were going to fire him or they internally had made the decision – like three weeks or something before they actually did ultimately release him via email. Like that's just garbo, man. Like that's, I don't know what, what the decision tree goes on there, but that's what Kevin Lee talked about with Ariel. He said that, you know, sometime early November, he said that they knew that they were cutting him, but they didn't tell him until whatever this past week. Like that's just, that's trash. Like let the man, the man can't fight because he is under suspension only in your organization like let him if you're not going to work with him okay that's your decision but he needs to be able to go out and provide for his family like it's the holidays maybe he needs to fight and delaying that is just really trash so Kristen, you ran off some of the options for kevin lee bellator pfl we talked about triller they'd be crazy to not make an offer i, I believe even kevin said that they've already reached out to him even bkfc has a lot of money don't know where they get this money, but they seem to have a lot of it and throw it or throw it at these some of these big names. Where would you like to see him go? Where do you think he ends up? Like if you had a choice, like are they the same? Like where you would like to see him go and where he ends up, or are they different? I mean, I I feel like my main two would be Bellator and PFL. Bellator, just because I wonder if there's already an established relationship, being that his brother is on that roster as well, and I would love to see them compete under the same banner. I think that'd be really fun. Also, the welterweight division and Bellator is super interesting. I don't know exactly how well he would fare against them, but I think that he seems to have the mindset of, you know what, I'm just going to cherry-pick my opponents from now on or, or give that advice to younger fighters coming up into the UFC so maybe he still has that mentality going into another promotion and he just tries his best to get back to the win column so I I like the Bellator option I do like the PFL option always because if you have an opportunity to make a hundred 170 oh my god not 170 million one million in a tournament (laughs) I Could you imagine 170? No, sorry. (laughs) One million. (laughs) If you can make that amount of money, I I am all for that. I believe he said he at least touched a million throughout his tenure in the UFC, which was about, what, 18 fights, eight years. So if he feels like he needs to get more of that, I think that'd be an awesome place for him to land, too. I I, I think I saw – he's already getting call-outs, too. I saw Will Brooks – former Bellator champion and UFC fighter, call him out. And then Glory hopped on. It was like, do you guys want to kickbox? And I'm like, I don't know if we want to put wrestlers in a kickboxing match, but I'm, I'm happy that there's interest for Kevin Lee for a bunch of different promotions. But for me, I think Bellator and PFL would probably suit him better in the long run. What do you think, Jed? Where's Kevin Lee's next fight going to be? Where could he potentially make upwards of $170 million? <laughs> I think, uh, I think it, de- it depends a lot on what Kevin Lee specifically is looking for. If he is just trying to make a million dollars, which seems to be a thing, PFL makes the most sense because he all he got to do is win the tournament there. The, there's one glaring problem with PFL, and it's – it seems very likely that if he went to PFL, he would have to fight Rory McDonald in the tournament there, um, like in that welterweight tournament. And I know that he has been training with Ross Abbey and TriStar. I don't know how open he would be to that, if that would be a problem or not. But it seems if he signed with PFL, that fight seems pretty inevitable. Uh, I think Bellator has the deepest roster of wel- welterweights. If he is just trying to continuously have good fights against, you know, name good opposition, uh, makes a ton of sense in Bellator. I know Scott Coker would be crazy not to be interested in him, but I think that that's probably not the best play for him either, frankly, just because a lot of those welterweights are going to be very difficult matchups for him, in my in my humble opinion. I think, honestly, what I would like to see happen the most um, and what I think may happen is I think Kevin Lee might 
recognize the position he's in right now as a somewhat interesting commodity to a lot of different people. And instead of Tyron Woodley's trying to do this right now, right? Like he came out uh, last week or earlier this week and said, I want to fight four times in 2022 in four different sports. I want to fight MMA and boxing and Triller and all this different stuff. And I don't think that that's feasible at all for Tyron Woodley because I don't think that there's that much interest in paying Tyron Woodley the amount of money that he thinks he's going to be worth. I think there is more of that interest with Kevin Lee, and he is not in a position where he's going to have to sign a restrictive contract with any of these orgs if he doesn't want to. He can maybe negotiate for, hey, I want to do two fights uh, with Triller and then reassess. Maybe then I'll I'll open up the door to Scott Coker and go to Bellator. Maybe then I'll take a look at PFL. Maybe the landscape's changed for me over there. I think if I'm if I'm him, what I would like to do is to keep my options as open and fluid as possible for as long as possible. But I think probably ultimately we are just going to see him in Bellator because that is a it's probably the best signing for that Bellator can make. Frankly, like they they need people, they need people that people care about, and he comes into arguably their best division already. So probably Bellator, but I hope he's a little more cagey about it. I hope he cherry picks where he goes next. Touche. Well played. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I, I actually think the way it happened was pretty awful in my opinion and you guys ran off the reasons why but i think he's in a better position in his career right now than he was even 72 hours ago so can, the options are plenty because i the, the only thing i thought i had nothing to do with any stuff that we just talked about why does anyone sign with the ufc i genuinely don't understand it nobody who has ever left that organization and half the people in it aren't happy they all talk about how they're not happy and how they are working for terrible bosses. Like, why would you, if you are a free agent of means and talent, why would you sign there? I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, choose yeah, to be happy. I don't know. There is not enough money in the world to get up and not like your boss every day. Just go work for a boss who respects you and values your time and effort. It doesn't seem <laughs> difficult to me. Uh, maybe I'm the crazy one. I was waiting for it. There it is. Nice. <laughs> Be happy, everybody. That's the, the that's the moral of the story. And hopefully, Kevin Lee is hap- is happier now than he was seventy two hours ago, and he's happier with his next chapter of his career compared to where he was seventy two hours ago. So, enough of that. We'll move on to round three. Speaking of Bellator, we'll discuss them. The UFC also has a card this weekend. The point for round two goes to. Might be the new Prince of Positivity, Jed Mishu, one-to-one. Be happy, people. Just choose happiness. That's right. Dress nice and choose happiness. So let's move to this weekend. We have two very fun Bantamweight main events coming up. Friday night, Bellator 272. It's their final event of the year, headlined by a world title fight between Sergio Pettis and Kyoji Horiguchi. And then on Saturday, UFC Vegas 44. A 15-fight card, which starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be a long night of UFC action. That'll be headlined by Rob Font versus Jose Aldo. Both of these are great fights. We'll talk about each of them individually. But, Jed, we're going to start with you. Better main event, Bellator or UFC this weekend? Look, this is one of the few times that that's not an entirely ridiculous question. Uh, Kyoji Horiguchi is, for my money, probably the best flyweight fighter in the world right now. I know he doesn't really compete there anymore, but he could still make the weight, and I, I think I would pick him to beat any flyweight on earth at this moment in time. Uh, and Sergio Pettis is a damn good fighter. We, If you are an avid listener of all things MMA fighting, you probably heard our rankings uh, podcast earlier this week where E.K. Slyden, who's currently manning the ones and twos of this very program, uh, vehemently argued in favor of both Sergio Pettis and Kyoji Horiguchi as far as Bantamweights. I am maybe not quite as bullish as uh, Casey is, but I still have both of them ranked uh, in my Bantamweight rankings. I think they're sensational fighters uh, each, and that's it's a really good fight. The problem is I have both Rob Font and Jose Aldo above both Kyoji Horiguchi and Sergio Pettis in my rankings. Uh, and for that alone, I would say that that fight's better. But realistically, I think it's better anyway. Maybe Kyoji Horiguchi is one of the three or four best Bantamweights in the world. Rob Font is the best Bantamweight in the world. <laughs> Boston Cartel, baby. He is the best 135er on the planet. 
just check yourself. It's coming. Slow but surely it's coming. And I am sad to say that it's coming at the expense of one of my all-time favorites. There is no bigger Jose Aldo mark than I am. I argue vehemently for him being the greatest featherweight of all time. If you disagree, you're wrong flat out. No contest. He's the best featherweight of all time. He's one of the three greatest fighters of all time. He is the youngest UFC champion in history. People say that that's John Jones. That is wrong. Jose Aldo was a WEC champion before John Jones became a UFC champion at the time when the WEC only existed for unknown tax reasons. Uh, he's one of, if not the best fighter of all time, and it's going to be really sad to watch Rob Font jab him to death. But for the first three rounds, this fight's going to be magic because Jose Aldo is maybe not as good as he once was, but he's as good once or for three rounds as he ever was. This man remains the best defensive fighter in history. And for three rounds, it's going to be gangbusters, brilliant, technical, awesome, incredible stuff. And then at the end, Rob Font is just going to be younger, fresher, and work at a higher pace and kind of eke out a decision over the latter rounds. But I will always watch Jose Aldo fight, and I will damn sure tune in to watch the best bandweight in the world fight. Wow, that was a that was a passionate answer. I will say that Rob Font is not much younger than Jose Aldo, like less than a year. Yeah. If memory serves, Aldo got them fifty years on him though. There's a difference between <laughs> young, like TJ Dillashaw is technically older than Jose Aldo, but that also feels insane to say. Because Jose Aldo has been at the top of the sport since he was like 21 years old. That's a great point. Kristen, what do you think? Bellator, UFC, who is the better main event this weekend and why? I will say Bellator by the slightest margin, only because I think the way that they are currently shopping this fight as a champion versus champion fight, which I, I completely understand. Sergio Pettis is the current Bellator champion, and then you have Kyoji coming in from Risen, and you get to see him vie for the title that he never lost. And he's still, honestly, he's walking around here saying, I still feel like I'm the champion, and I'm the real Bellator champion, because he did never lose it in competition. He had to give it up because he injured his knee and was out of action for about a year. So when they announced his signing earlier this year, I figured that it would be a fun matchup with Sergio Perez. He was already targeting him. And look what happened. We got the fight that we wanted. I am very much interested in seeing how Sergio Pettis looks for his first title defense. I think he surprised a lot of people in the Juan Archuleta fight. I didn't think that they really gave him too much credit. I thought that they believed Juan Archuleta was still going to retain the title and, and Sergio fought smart. He fought beautiful. I, I absolutely adored that performance and I was very happy for him. And it seems like he has really found his footing in the Bellator promotion. So I am very much excited to see what he does against Kyoji Horiguchi. He is honestly one of the best bantamweights in the world. And I honestly kind of feel just a tinge sadness for Sergio Pettis just because it feels like he's not get, getting any credit. It seems like he has to fight all over again for the championship that he already has. And no one seems to be giving him the credit for the performance that he put on to get that title. So only by the slightest margin do I think that this one is just a little bit better. Because when I look at Font and Aldo, obviously I'm very excited. But then if either one of them wins, what happens next? Because this is not a number one contender fight. This is a not number one, but maybe next type of fight because we still have TJ Dillashaw out there. We still have uh, uh, Sterling and Jan to figure out and Sterling's still injured. TJ Dillashaw's still injured. Corey Sanhagen is still hanging around there even though he just lost to Peter Jan. It just feels like where do we go? It feels like they're going to be in a little bit of like Bantamweight purgatory after this fight because there's no idea where we could take these two. Whoever wins. So I'm going to go for Bellator, Kyoji, and Sergio. I, I, I think that has that beat just by the slightest margin, like a 51-49 type of thing. Yep, and Sergio's sort of approaching the fight with the same lens as a lot of other people are. Like, maybe maybe I'm not the champion, but this is my way to prove yeah. it. I have to make sure of it. And, and, and He said so he's like babysitting the belt. He, he's babysitting it, and I feel bad that he feels that way, but I guess that's what I a lot of people That's think. honest. Good for him to be honest, man. Like, sure. know your role. <laughs> You're wrong. I guess he can well, <laughs> well, let's 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 talk about this fight a little more because you mentioned Christian. He looked really good against Juan Archuleta. I was there. I watched that fight cage side. It was a competitive fight, but this that was a clear, 
clear Sergio Pettis win. There was no controversy whatsoever. Horiguchi never actually lost the title. He had to vacate after the knee injury, comes back, wins the Ryzen title. Now he looks to win back the Bellator title. So just looking at legacies and where they're at, I think I know your answer, Kristen, but we'll just throw it out there anyway. Who needs this one more, Horiguchi or Pettis? Pettis needs this one more. He needs this one way more than Kyoji Horiguchi. I think Kyoji is already established as one of the greatest fighters in that division. No, no doubt about it. He is one of the greatest. Sergio Pettis is on the cusp of greatness, and he can prove himself with a win over a fighter like Kyoji Horiguchi. So if anyone needs it more, it's definitely Sergio. I think he spoke with Mike Bond of MMA Junkies saying that this feels like a breakout performance for him. He really does want to show people the, the improvements that he's made over the years. And, and granted, we've seen those in his fights. He may not have found his footing in the UFC, but he certainly has found it now. And he gets the chance, this grand opportunity, to not only headline this card, but do it against one of the greatest fighters ever. And if he can get that win, we should start considering him as a great band weight competitor so Sergio really does need this win especially to establish his legacy which is already being questioned because he has the belt that a lot of people don't view him as worthy of having but he's the champion he's the champion and it sucks that he has a little bit more to prove but that's the way the cookie crumbles I guess so Sergio needs it Jed if excuse me do you agree with that and if so will be like we know the how fans view Bellator, especially this year. It has not been a, terri- a terrific year for Bellator, for being honest, um, especially with the promotion and things are doing. Some things are getting better. Some things are not getting better. But if Sergio Pettis, if you agree that Sergio Pettis needs this one more, if he goes out there and just does the same thing that Horiguchi they did to Warren Archuleta, six months from now, are we talking about Sergio Pettis as a top five bantamweight on planet Earth? Do you think that's the case? No, because, I mean, it's obvious that my opponent hasn't watched or listened to any of the other MMA fighting podcasts because we discussed Sergio Pettis and Kyoji Horiguchi, and there's very much a question on whether Kyoji Horiguchi is one of the top bantamweights in the world. Several of our rankers have him just like just hanging on to the top 15, and most everybody except for me and Casey, I think, looked at Sergio with disdain and like, no, he's obviously not. So even if he goes out here and blows the doors off Kyoji, like at least for our purposes and our panel, he's probably not going to be a top five guy. Uh, maybe other people will. Obviously, Kristen will view him very highly. He'll be number two for Casey, um, which would be ridiculous, but not like the most ridiculous thing just because Rob Font has a win like in the recent history <laughs> over Sergio. But yeah, I mean, I don't know who needs him more. It probably is Sergio just because what's Sergio's fallback plan? Like, if Sergio loses, he just goes back to the mix. If Kyoji loses, like, I don't know, he could go fight in Ryzen or do something else. Like, he's he can go fight in Japan and be just as big, if not bigger. It, it won't really hurt him that bad. Uh, so I guess by those terms, Sergio probably needs it more. But I think both men need this, like – you want to have titles. You want to win the belt because what that means for your legacy and everything. And, you know, if our, our conversation earlier this week is any indication, you have to do something incredibly impressive outside of the UFC to make it into the top five of the MMAfighting.com global rankings. So both men need this win really badly or they're going to be like a top 10-ish, maybe a top 15 bantamweight. So both men need it tremendously. Just so we know, I have Pettis ranked higher in my rankings than you do, Jed. I'm a spot higher than you. You have him nine, oh, I, didn't I have him eight. I didn't know you had Pettis. Good for you. Of course I did. I just didn't have him in the top five or ranked above no, Rob Font. Like, I thought you talked about this. We, well, we did talk talked about a lot of stuff. It was, <laughs> we did. <laughs> we talked a lot of Go listen to that after this because it's crazy. It's the I a true area ranked, though. Because I'm a good person and believe in Bellator as a product. Cowards. I don't have Archuleta ranked. I know. I guess I don't. I don't think so. I think nope, I'm the Song only Yudong one. knocked him out of that spot. I, he was there, but Song Yudong knocked him out. So, uh, okay. So that's that fight. UFC, we, we talked about 135 in the UFC is awesome. It's a lot of fun, but it is a sloppy mess, especially mm-hmm. at the top. Hopefully in the next four to five months, it clears up a little bit. We get the Sterling Yan fight. 
but this is another big one. Font, Aldo, Font trying to get to that title shot. He's very honest. He knows with this win, he'll have five straight wins. Getting a win over Jose Aldo should put you in a great spot. But he even knows this probably won't be enough. The winner will probably fight TJ Dillashaw. That's the way he's looking at it. Aldo has fought for the belts. He lost. He's looked sensational in his last two fights. One of the all-time all great fighters, as Jed said, former champion. Jed, who needs this one more? Rob Font or Jose Aldo? Jose Aldo, for sure. Um, I mean, he doesn't need it in regards to his legacy is set in stone as far as I'm concerned. Like, the only thing that's going to make me not view him as one of the three best fighters ever is if Kamaru Usman puts together, like, I don't know, three or four more wins. Um, maybe just three. He probably doesn't need four to get there. But, like, Jose Aldo is what he is and what he has meant to this sport is unassailable for me. Um, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. And just uh, he has nothing to lose ever because of that. But as far as his immediate dreams, he has spoken very candidly about considering retirement, coming back, re becoming reinvigorated, and uh, being really interested or invested in getting to a second belt, getting back to a title shot. A loss to Rob Font probably ends that for good. I mean, maybe not. You can never say never in this sport. But if he loses his fight, I don't. I, I think that that's the end of Jose Aldo, the the potential champion dream. Whereas if Rob Font loses, it's a setback, but he still has enough tread on his tires uh, to kind of move forward. But, yeah, I, it's got to be Jose Aldo. Do you agree, Kristen? Is it Jose Aldo or is Rob Font got more on the line here, in your opinion? And Man, I feel like it's Rob Font just because I recognize that he doesn't necessarily believe that a win over Jose Aldo is going to do much for him. But I personally do. I mean – I believe Rob Font, which, by the way, he was first called to take on that short-notice fight against Peter Yan at UFC 267. Obviously, he could not take it for a number of reasons. But if he was already on the short list for contenders to meet someone for a championship, I think he's right there. And I think that another standout performance, kind of like the one that he put against Cody Garbrandt, where he just methodically picked him apart he can do that against Jose Aldo, someone like that. I, I think he puts himself in prime position to potentially get to that space one day. And it could come as soon as next year, depending on how things shake up in the division. We still don't know about Aljamain. We still don't know about TJ Dillashaw. Peter Yan said he's ready to go in, in February or March. So that could be a real possibility if, if Rob Font goes out here and does something, nothing short of spectacular against Aldo. I think he, he's in a great position. So I for me, I think Font has it more than, than Aldo. Two really good fights. We are blessed this weekend as MMA fans, especially with Bantamweight fights. Although it's a lot of MMA to watch, if we're being honest. Like Saturday, 7 o'clock, prelim start, 10 p.m. main card, 15 fight card. It's going to be a long night, ladies and gentlemen. Bantamweight yeah. bonanza indeed. So we'll move on to our final topic of regulation. The point for round three goes to. Kristen King is up two to one. Excellent round. Very happy. So head... By the way, I'm really happy that these events are happening on Friday and Saturday. Because could you imagine trying to watch both of them on the same day? I feel like that'd be a oh, lot. I wouldn't want to do that. I just wouldn't watch Bellator at all. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. But Look, the Bellator is not bad, but like I just wouldn't watch it. Let's also be honest. I'm probably not going to watch most of the UFC card Saturday. It's probably going to be a Sunday hungover watch for me. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the honesty is just flowing here on BTL. But What's Saturday? Georgia, baby. SEC championship. Georgia, baby. It's a big day. Go. It's a big day. How do you feel about Brian Kelly going to LSU, Jed? I think it's hysterically funny, and if this was a different program, I would offshoot us for 30 minutes to talk about how <laughs> dumb that choice is. But nobody wants to listen to me wax poetic on college football. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. 
and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. All right, well, let's wax poetically on the under-the-radar fights, the low-key bang-around. Round four is the low-key bang-around. We get two big events, lots of fights to choose from, two exceptional main events, but something's going to lead into those exceptional main events. So you can choose the Bellator card. You can choose the UFC card, whatever one you want. Kirsten, we begin with you. What is the low-key banger of the weekend? What is the best fight of these two cards of this weekend that no one's given enough love to? Man, there's a lot on the UFC card. There's a few on the Bellator card. But for me personally, I am very excited to see Chris the Action Man Curtis back in action so soon after his insane debut at UFC 268. He gets to take on Brendan Allen, who, by the way, I don't know what's going on with, like, his opponents, but I feel like he's been rescheduled for, like, five or six different opponents in the last few months. And who gets the call? Chris Curtis. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the very definition of a low-key banger. I think that this one is on the main card. I think it's, like, what, like, maybe first or second on the main card. That is good money. That is a good fight. If you saw Chris Curtis do what he did to Phil Hawes, and you know what kind of fighter Brendan Allen is, this is something that you don't want to miss. And I'm very much excited to see him back so soon, especially considering the type of career that Chris Curtis has had in recent years. It just warms my heart to see him finally under the UFC banner and going against these guys. So it should be really fun. I like that one. Chris Curtis, Brendan Allen. It it would have been Matt Brown and Brian Barberina, but... That that fell through, and that kind of broke my heart. So this is my next one, and I really enjoy this one. Jed, what you got? Look, I you know me, Mike. I I have a lot of tendencies, and one of my tendencies is to rip the UFC to shreds when they put on fifteen fight cards. It's insane, but I mean, if you're gonna do it, this is the way to do it. This card crushes the Wikipedia test. Like, almost everybody has a Wikipedia page, which is great. Uh, And all the fights are just awesome. Like, you could throw a dart, and anything you hit is either really well-matched or interesting. Like, it is a – this is really good work from Sean Shelby and company, uh, top to bottom. And I will tip my hat to them for that. But if we're talking a banger, I wanted to come in here. You know me. I love the big boys. I wanted to come in here and talk to you about Jimmy Crute, Jamal Hill. But then Jimmy Crute rocked – Rock that ape drape, that majestic hockey hair, and there's no way that that's low-key anymore. Everybody has to be tuning in for for Jimmy Crute's hair, if nothing else. And so I'm going to go with the only answer. The only true answer is in the flyweight division. On the undercard, as bangers should be when they are of the low-key nature, it's Manel Kabezalgas Zumagalov. I I probably butchered it. I'm sorry. That name can't be said. It's impossible to say that name. So blame blame everybody but me. It's not my fault. Uh, Manel Cape is the man. I think E. Casey Lydon uh, is a huge fan of Manel Cape, uh, former rising champion. Uh, Dude, in his last fight, had a flying knee knockout and somehow didn't get a performance of the night bonus, which is insane. Uh, He came to the UFC a little – it hasn't been great – uh, a huge robbery um, in one of those fights. And then he also he lost uh, Julian P- Paiva, who I have as one of the top Bantamweights with what he's done since then with the win over Kyler Phillips. Uh, this dude's awesome. This dude uh, throws hammers and is exciting and fundamentally just the best thing to watch at any given point in time. And uh, Zalgas, not even going to go with his last name, uh, Zalgas is, is – is damn good, man. Like he, he also came to the UFC, lost a couple. Uh, one of those, I think, was if I'm remembering correctly, who, who did he lose to? No, uh, I, I was thinking about Manel Cape. Sorry, uh, Zogus came in, lost. Uh, one of those was whatever, but he's they're both just really fun fighters, man. And it's flyweight. It's going to be action packed until Manel Cape kills him, and that's what's going to happen. So tune in. Well, I mean, we know why he didn't get a bonus because he missed weight exactly i mean it doesn't matter I like, like a give, lot <laughs> give that give that extra money to the to the homie because 
He deserves it. He got his brain knocked around. He, you telling me uh, Oda, Oda Osborne couldn't use an extra 50 G's? Uh, he could have. He probably needed them for medical expenses. That's true. I mean, listen, made Oda Osborne totally make some different choices in life. Not going to pretend yeah, I totally forgot, but you should still give him the give him the props. It was one of the best performances of the night. Yes, it was an it was a nice knee. No that that is a pretty good card. It is a pretty good card on paper. Uh, it's, it's just a lot of fights. Fifteen it's just a lot so of fights. Why don't you put some of these on uh, whatever the card two weeks ago was was hot fire, and by fire I mean a garbage <laughs> fire of awful. Put some of the good stuff on that one. Spruce it up a bit. Well, yes. the good one of that card fell off like the day of, so it wouldn't have saved face anyway. It just. Yeah. And besides, we're saying this is a 15-fight card. We still have how much longer? What a day. We're 48 hours. We yeah, have 48 enough hours to get rid of most of these fights. We need 10. 10 is the max. People have lives they want to live. Like Especially you- if you're doing a 7 p.m. start time. Yeah, Yeah, there's is- some good ones on here. And let's it's not forget. It's really a really good fight, man. Fight card. Yeah. Alex Brown and Mickey Gall is like, it's opening with Luis Smoke and Vince Morales. Like, that's a Good fight. Great fight. Alonzo Menafield and William Knight is just going to be bananas. Those two guys yep. are just going to yeah. throw bombs at each other if somebody falls down. And let's not forget the key the, the key component that makes Brendan Allen versus Chris Curtis so fun. Sean Strickland will be in Chris Curtis's corner, oh. while Brendan Allen will be in there fighting Chris Curtis. So that should be a lot of fun. Although I talked to Chris Curtis about that, which you can check out on MMA Fighting's We Got Next. Uh, he feels like he doesn't know why Brennan Allen thinks there's any kind of beef there, but I think it's going to be pretty fun. But the point well, for round four. Before oh, you go get ahead. The point, can I just say, like, shout out to the co-main event because we haven't talked about that at all, and that's arguably the third best. I mean, it's not arguably. It is the third best fight of the weekend outside of the two title fights coming. Like, that's just a banger, and we haven't talked about Javier Viziev, who, like, may actually just be a legitimate top five lightweight in the very near future and brad riddell who's dope like that fight is going to be technically brilliant and great and nobody's even talking about it at all because i think everyone fight. just yeah everyone just assumes that's going to be like a fight of the year contender we already know I that guess, that's common knowledge i guess i don't know but we were going to go this whole show without bringing up like a fight between two of the ranked like the top 15 ranked lightweights in the world like that seems kind of disrespectful for us all to not have mentioned them at all you're not even gonna watch the final question mike my bad if i did you're not gonna watch it till sun you're not gonna watch it till (laughs) sunday you're not gonna watch it well yeah because i'm already gonna be drunk from georgia putting the wood to alabama and i want to (laughs) give these gentlemen the respect they deserve for sober viewing so i can appreciate the technical and tactical brilliance (laughs) thank you (laughs) Oh, man. The point for round four goes to... It's going to Jed Mishu for the last two minutes and nothing to do with the question. Yeah. It's veterans. The passion. When, you, when you're not doing well with the question, you just muddy the waters. Yes, you muddy them, all right. You poured like 25 gallons of water on the uh, on the mud. We muddied them up all good. So final question, one minute. Each of these competitors will have to answer said question. It'll be the same question for both. I got really lazy, so I just <laughs> thought of one like a minute ago. I've been dealing with sickness and sweating my sweating bullets. So I, I think this is a fun question, especially for the time of year. So Jed Mishu actually got the blind draw for this choice. So you get the choice. Do you want to go first or do you want to pass it over to Kristen? I will uh, pass to Kristen. Okay. Kristen, here we go. We mentioned the Bellator event this weekend. We got the UFC this weekend. We got the UFC final pay-per-view of 2021 coming up next week. And then the final UFC event coming up on December 18th. We also got some boxing fights. We get Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. We get so much stuff coming up for the next few weeks to round out the year of our Lord, 2021. So my question to you is, and this is as open-ended as it can possibly be, what is your bold prediction for the rest of the year in MMA slash combat sports? Like from these events, what sticks out to you? What's your bold prediction as far as talking points go for the rest of the year? 
with these cards. One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. My bold prediction for the rest of the year is that although in the lightweight division, even though there could be a really good chance that there's a new champion crowned between Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier, something tells me somebody by the name of Conor McGregor is going to skirt his way straight to the top like he's been talking about, saying that he's going to walk straight into a title shot by the time he gets back next year. And as much as it does not make sense, it does when you're talking about the money. So I could see that happening sometime. Ooh, could you imagine if we get like some WWE-S type of thing where Connor is there at that night and just like confronts whoever wins that fight in the octagon? That'd be fun. That'd be great. That'd be great promotion. We could have like another UFC 229 bus type of thing, I guess. And we can set that up. So my bold prediction is no matter where the lightweight division goes, Conor McGregor is probably going to still weasel his way into this, into a title shot by the beginning of next year. There's my bold prediction. That would be hilarious if like Conor was there and he went and confronted the winner. Justin Gaethje was going to like casually walk over and confront the winner, but Conor was already in there. What an amazing <laughs> moment that would be. You just have to sit down. You can't even get mad about it. So Not that would be a lot of fun. I- I would figure that like Justin Gaethje would kind of just fold his chair and then just like slam it on the back of Connor, kind of like that. You know how they used to do back in the <laughs> WWE. <laughs> you just gotta sit back down at that point. Oh, All yeah. right, Jed, you've heard your opponent's answer. One minute on the clock. Bold prediction for these final few weeks in the year of our Lord 2021. Go. I hate my opponent's answer because it's supposed to be bold and she went out on a limb uh, in no way whatsoever. She's hugging the trunk of the tree. Obviously, Conor McGregor is going to shortcut to the front of the line. Dana White has basically said that. Uh, it's, there's nothing shocking about it. But you know what is shocking? Next weekend. Next weekend, UFC 269 is taking place. There's a title fight at the main event. There's also a title fight in the co-main event. Is the greatest female fighter of all time, Amanda Nunes, is taking on an overlooked challenger. Somebody nobody cares about whatsoever, Juliana Pena, who's been talking a, a rash of crap, and nobody thinks she can win. I don't know what the odds are. It's probably minus 470 hundred billion for Amanda Nunes. Minus 170 million. That's what it is. Minus 170 million for Nunes to win that fight. Everyone's looking past it, and they should. Pena shouldn't win this at all. But that's why they fight the fights, Mike. They get into the cage because no one knows what's going to happen. And this is exactly where things go haywire. Juliana Pena, Bantamweight champion 2022, baby. Wow. Holy cow. Wow. Mind blown. Mind blown. Because I know Jed does not believe what he just said. But it was bold. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see in the MMA fighting. Why would Once okay. I say something, I believe it. You said you believed By the in way, the military product and then crapped all over it like a few answers later. I don't believe you, Jed. Exactly. Okay, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Had to call him out. By the way, by the way, just 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 to put some perspective on this. Currently, do uh via our friends at DraftKings, Amanda Nunes minus eight fifty as a favorite, Juliana Pena plus five seventy five. So don't get Not. your bets in yet. Wait, that number is going to keep ballooning up, but then right before fight time, hammer that line. Let's go, Pena. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. We now turn it over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, E. Casey Lydon, and waiting patiently in a small circle on the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. Sun's out, gun's out. It's got the hat on and everything. Baddest stash in MMA media. Who wins? Who punches their ticket to the finals? to face the winner of next week's matchup between Phoenix Carnavale and Alexander K. Lee. We turn it over to you, Casey. You know what? I've made a decision. This one, I think, I think this one's pretty simple, actually. You're a winner. Because basically the question was bold prediction. Of course, Jed freaking Mashu. 
Jen Mishu gets it done. Wow. My voice just Peter Brady'd all up in here. Holy cow. Oh, for, everyone, I... for everyone is clear, for the rest of the next two weeks, I will be living by that bold prediction. Juliana <laughs> Payne, you're going to pull off that upset, baby. Let's go. Now, if you would have said Conor McGregor would not be involved in the lightweight title picture, that would be a bold prediction. <laughs> I guess. Didn't feel right. Didn't feel right. We already know what it is. But, you know, hey, but great, great competition. Great effort, Kristen. Um, you just, you know, ran into a, a steamroller today in a great-looking suit. So it was, it was a great I mean, contest. I mean, if I had to lose to anyone, I would have literally wanted to lose to anyone else that is not named Jet. But because <laughs> that is the situation that I'm dealing with now, I have to respect him. I have to say great competition, obviously. We joke here and there, but he's obviously a formidable contender. So I'm going to do the gracious thing and wish you the best of luck next week. And honestly, Casey, you saved me from potentially going against my tag team partner, Alex Kaylee, in the finals. And I think that would have been very, very gut-wrenching for me. So good luck, Jed. I, I look forward to it. He did not save you because Alex Kaylee is, <laughs> is not going to be Phoenix Carnvale. <laughs> the, the Cinderella story stops next week for sure. <laughs> Chad, what would you like to say? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank my mom and dad, uh, my family. Mostly, I'd <laughs> like to thank uh, all the people out there believing in me because because this is it. This is what we came for. This is what we got suited up for. Tune in in two weeks when when I do get to take on Phoenix Carnivale after she handles her business because I'm going to be dressed. You guys don't even know what I've got planned for that, but this is it. This is the game. I, I've had to scrap my... I've earned it. Every step of the way, I had to take on rising contenders. Hot, young hotshots coming here throwing fire, throwing 90 miles an hour at me. Carnivale just cleaning up the, the dregs of MMA fighting. The guys I've beat every other day like it's no problem whatsoever. She's coming in. It's going to be much like Nunez Pena, the greatest of all time, overlooking the scrappy opponent. And we're going to have two upsets in, in a couple weeks and, and two new champions. That's what we're going to have. Well. So, so with, hold on. Would it be a bold prediction to say that Phoenix wipes the floor with Jed, or is that just... That's what the odds makers wow. are saying. But the odds makers are, they're wrong this time, and I'm going to prove them. Bet your money on me. DraftKings, I bet they're putting up lines right now. Yeah, we, we got to root for Jet. Team J&J, Jed and Juliana. <laughs> That'd be a great sign, because if that if this is what happens, the finals will be right after that, Jed. You get to wax poetically in the championship game. If, Jet, if Juliana Pena wins the title, you might get an Ooh. automatic point like right away. When she wins the title, I believe that that will be what pushes me over the edge to become the new BTL champion. Well, we will see who Jed's opponent will be in the finals next week. It's AK versus Phoenix Carnivale. What a matchup it is going to be. Kristen, tremendous job. We appreciate you coming back on here. Jed Mishu, congratulations on the victory. For Jed, for Kristen, for E. Casey Lydon, I am Mike Keck. We'll see you back here next week once again between the links. Good night, everybody. This is Esther Lynn. You're watching Between the Links, a Fox Media production. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs>